Welcome to Joyful Marketing. I'm Simone Soul, and I teach you how to get your life coaching practice fully booked without having to pay for ads, buy Instagram followers, or complicated sales funnels. It's not rocket science, and you can do it too. Listen on to find out how. Hey, friends. Today, something happened that I did not think would ever happen in my lifetime. And yet here we are. I'm sitting here with one of my oldest, most honestly revered teachers of uh, all things business and spirituality. His name is Fabeku Fatumiche. And the way I've been telling people on social media is that for the past however many long years, the only way you knew him and were able to benefit from his work is if you knew a guy who knew a guy who knew a secret handshake. It was all, and then, you know, enter a coded message on a door. It was all very, (laughs) very secretive. (laughs) And for reasons that we're going to talk about today, he has decided to come out of hiding and let you meet him. I'm so excited. I'm so honored that he agreed to come talk to me, talk to you in this podcast episode. And we're going to talk about one of the most important things that I ever learned from him that has sort of become you know, a guiding light for my business, not from day one, because I didn't know him on day one, but maybe like day two. And it's been a, that's been a long while. And I can't wait to, for you to learn from him because what you're going to learn today is probably going to change your life. It should change your life. And then he has something really exciting to tell you about. <laughs> yeah. So could you tell us a little bit about, about how, like, how would you describe yourself? Cause you're such a, you don't fit in any conventional box and uh, <laughs> it takes a pe- people a while to be like, he's a, he's a this and a that. And he's, oh my gosh, why is this a genius? I don't understand. You know, <laughs> for sure. So Let's see. I am an artist. I've been a visual artist my entire life since I was a little tiny kid. Uh, I'm a teacher. I'm a writer. I'm a poet, a business consultant for the last 15, 16, 18 years, whatever it's been. It's been a minute. I'm somebody who buys too many shoes. I'm a caretaker of a cat that is internet famous and kind of ridiculous, but also kind of cool. Yeah, I I guess. Yeah, I am. I am a whole lot of different things. Mac and cheese cars. Uh, yes, there's there's always that, of course. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about coherence. That's one of the ideas that I learned from you that has changed everything for me. And I know so many other people feel the same way. How do you define it? Why does it matter? And how do you know whether you have it in your business or whether you don't? And yeah, what's the difference? Yeah, so... <sighs> It's such a big thing because it's such an important thing to me. And, you know, it's, it certainly is, it's at the heart of what I do with the business work, but I think more fundamentally, it's just sort of at the heart of what I think matters to just people as a human being in business and life and your relationships within yourself with, in spiritual practice, all of it. And so the way that I define coherence is the whole of who you are pointed in the same direction at the same time, right? At all levels, your mind your body, your heart, your spirit, your soul, your focus, your actions, your intentions, your purpose, your what you're building, why you're building it, you know, everything pointed in the same direction at once. And I want to I pause there for a bit because that's big. I wanted to sink in. Yes. yes. Every part of you pointed in the same direction. Yeah. Your actions, your words, your intentions. And someone like me would probably add like your consciousness, your unconsciousness. Absolutely. Your willpower, your magic, everything. And if you think about it, I just want to pause here and let it sink in because it's actually such a big idea. And the alternative to 
everything pointing in the same direction is some things pointing in one direction and other things pointing in other directions. And what happens when you have a car and some wheels are pointing in one direction and some other wheels are pointing in another direction is that you go nowhere. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So you got that, everybody. We paused. (laughs) You let it sink in because every time he talks about it, I still have to let it sink in for a while. Okay. Everything pointed in the same direction. Okay. So, you know, at, at the simplest level, just as a basic example of business that I use all the time, let's say, let's say somebody is, is marketing a thing, right? They're, they've got a new thing. They're putting it out in the world. There's a part of them that's excited and they want to share the thing. They think it helps people. They want to do it. They want to make money. They want it to work. But if there's another part of them, for example, that let's say is afraid of taking up space or being visible or being seen, what happens is when they put the marketing out, whatever it is, no matter how well-crafted it is, no matter how hard they worked on it, no matter how beautiful the design is. So the marketing is an outward moving transmission, right? It's saying, hey, look at this thing I'm doing. I'd love to do it with you. Let's do this thing. But then there's a part of themselves, whether it's their mind or their, or their, their heart or their body or whatever it is, that is pulling inward. So there's a dynamic that's moving outward and a dynamic that is literally pulling in the opposite direction. So what that automatically does is it, is it reduces the forward movement. So you're literally working at cross purposes with yourself, right? And this happens all the time. And and then what happens is the reason that that becomes difficult for people is the thing doesn't work or it doesn't work as well as they want, or they're struggling. And the problem is when people don't understand coherence and the deeper pieces that support it and the pieces that work against it, then they start thinking, well, maybe, you know, maybe I need to redo my copy or redesign my website or take new photos. And I'm not saying that stuff doesn't matter. It does matter. But if we're talking about issues of coherence, that's not the problem, right? So then somebody, you know, spends a ton of money redoing their website or, or, you know, rewriting copy and then they still, so then they put a new forward moving thing out and they still have that pulling back thing with inside. And so, and then if that happens enough, then they think, well, nobody wants this, or this isn't good, or I shouldn't be doing this, or I don't have the skills. And when in reality, it's like, how about we just get all of you lined up? And to be clear, that's a simple, not always easy thing. Right. And so I don't, I don't want to minimize that, that you know, I don't want to act like it's, oh, well, just, you know, get it together and point in the same direction. That's not real, but it, it's a big deal. And, and this happens at every level. So I see it with artists all the time, right? They make a work, they want to share their work, but they're afraid of what people are going to think, or are they going to sell it? Or, and so then either they don't share it or they share it in this way that has all of this kind of incoherent static around it. So then when they transmit it, when they share it, there's the thing they're sharing. And then there's that pointed in a bunch of different directions thing and the static that that creates. And so then they either get no response or weird response. And again, because they don't know what that means and why that's happening, they assume, well, nobody likes my art or, you know, as as an artist, I'm not good. That's not it. That's almost never what it is. One of the things that's important to understand about coherence, and this is kind of a good news, bad news thing, is it's a process. It's not a destination, right? So there's no such thing as oh, I'm coherent and I'm here and that's it. And I'm done and forever and ever and ever I'm coherent. Sometimes we're coherent in this minute or in this day or in this hour or in this thing. And then we're out of coherence again. And so I'm always a little hesitant and skeptical when people pretend that they've got it all sorted and they're fully aligned or fully coherent or fully congruent. And it's like, I don't really know anybody that that's true for in that kind of broad spectrum all the time way. And so it really is a matter of constantly checking, right? And so in the moment, you might be fully coherent, but then let's say when you go to share it or when you go to work with that client or make that art or build that thing, there's something that isn't coherent, right? And so, you know, the thing I've said a million times is 
the, the, the place that you create from shapes what you create. There's no way for it not to. And so if you're creating from an incoherent space, that's one thing. If you're transmitting from an incoherent space, that's another thing. And so when I say it's good news, bad news, it means that you know nobody just lands on coherence and has it nailed and that's it. And so the good news is that you can always course correct. You can always re-cohere when not only not only can you always, you have to always be doing that, right? It's not ever a thing that stops. And so I do think that one of the mistakes that happens and one of the ways this gets sneaky is people sometimes mistake coherence for something that feels good, right? Or they they will mistake discomfort for incoherence. And I'm not saying that, that that's never true, but coherence isn't always necessarily the most comfortable thing because sometimes in order to keep cohering or to recohere, we have to exceed our capacity to expand our capacity. And that's inherently uncomfortable. And so I, I struggle a little bit when people say, oh, well, if it's right, if it's aligned, it always feels good. I, for me, that hasn't been true. And in all the work that I've done with people in building businesses, that's almost never true, right? And so I think sometimes there's a weird thing of, well, if it feels good, it's coherent. Well, it could feel good to kind of hide, hide back and not share your thing because you, you feel safe and you keep safe on some level. That doesn't mean it's coherent. And it can feel uncomfortable you know, because one of the things I tell people with their business, like it, for most people, consistently marketing stuff is difficult. So I always say, you know, think about the amount of times you're sharing something and you probably need to share it four to six times that amount of time for it to be minimally effective. And there's always this long silence and people hate when I say that, but it's true. And so not only is that effective, but that's coherent and it's also uncomfortable for most people. So I think that we have to be very careful with, with equating coherence with comfort. Sometimes coherence feels amazing, is, an, is the most comfortable, coolest thing in the world. And sometimes it can be difficult, for sure. Yeah, I go looking for coherence. And sometimes in my conversation with, with you or another mentor, the, you know, I know there's going to come a point where I'm like, oh, fuck, you know, <laughs> and then I cry a little bit. <laughs> so that's definitely a part of it. So yeah. Having said that, this might be like a basic question, but I know that everybody's going to be thinking it. So how do you know when you're coherent? If it's not just comfort, if it's not just feels good. There's two things I always say. First of all, coherence always vets itself. You never have to guess whether you're coherent. It will affirm itself. It will Mm. show the fruits of that work without exception. It may not be immediate and sometimes it is, but it will always verify itself. And that's important. So you never really have to guess ever. The other part of it is, Sorry, is it like, is it like if you have to wonder if it's coherent, it's probably not. Is that what you're saying? Well, here's the thing. There's a lot of metrics that we can use and work with, or even in the moment, we don't have to wonder, but in the absence of those metrics, yeah, there might be a thing of like, mm, is it or isn't, isn't it? And I get that. And sometimes in the moment, there's that wondering just because it's new and we're not sure, or again, we don't have those metrics that we can assess it with, but Eventually, whether it's in the moment or in a week or in a day or whatever it is, coherence will always circle back and let you know this is the right thing. This is the coherent thing, right? Mm -hmm. The other part of it is, so when I talk about the whole of who you are pointed in the same direction, there's a momentum with coherence that's unmistakable, Mm -hmm. right? And, And when we can sustain it over time, sometimes it almost feels a little bit like being super conductive. And the reason for that is because the resistance that's present when we're all when we're pointed in a bunch of different directions that goes away so in the absence of resistance and in the presence of coherence 
momentum is just a natural part of that. I mean, that that's just, there's kind of no way for that not to happen. And so what that means is that people are able to do things more effectively, sometimes faster, but always with more momentum and more, more effective momentum than when they're incoherent. And so a lot of times, and again, so this is that weird balance between, you know, if, if, if you're having a hard time getting or sustaining momentum and we've moved past the point that it's just about that sort of initial discomfort, there probably is something that's incoherent. And here's the other part. I think that inherently our soul has this wisdom that will always know something's incoherent. And so, so here's an example, right? There was somebody I was working with recently with their business. They had, they had a couple of offers and everything was right. Their website was great. Their marketing was great. They're, they're an incredibly skillful person, but they had a couple of offers in the mix that they weren't entirely thrilled about. They didn't hate them. It wasn't that. It was just kind of like, eh. And so when they would mark, either they weren't marketing stuff that much because they were afraid people were going to show up for the things they didn't really love, or they had a hard time marketing it. And again, they were doing that kind of outward, outward pushing and then inward pulling thing. And I said, well, hey, you could really just take these off the table. Like, and they were, they were like, wait, what? I can do that? I'm like, well, not only can you, but you have to do that. Because what happens is when your soul recognizes incoherence, it will start flipping switches and turning momentum off because why is it going to move you forward in the direction of coherence? Because our soul is always trying to move us into, into greater coherence, not lesser coherence. So at some point, that absence of momentum to me is, is always an indication of incoherence because when you're coherent, again, you have to have momentum. You just have to, there's, there's no way for that not to be there. So, you know, that, that's always one of those things. I look for the presence of, of momentum and the absence of momentum when I'm talking about coherence. That's incredible. Do you remember a while ago, I, we were doing some work and I, I told you, I, I, it literally feels like my body is thawing from a freeze. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I felt this not like metaphorically, but like physically as, you know, the, the ends of my fingers were tingly and I felt like my body had been in a freeze and it was thawing and it felt like coming home to myself. It felt like, oh, this is how it was supposed to be. And there was a deep sort of sense of brightness in my body and in my spirit. And I think you said something like, that's coherence. And I was like, oh yeah, you know? Yeah. So it can feel like that as I think so many people spend so much of their lives in incoherence that Absolutely. it could feel like maybe it's all you've known. And for much of my life, it was all that I've known. And I no intellectually about coherence. And even now I have to work to get shit coherent. So yeah. I just wanted to say that. So, well, and yeah. the other thing that I want to add to that is yeah. you're right. I think that, I think that incoherence is the norm for people yeah. because most of us don't grow up in either families or cultures that have an awareness of coherence and practices in place to support coherence. The other part of this though, is that incoherence is never sustainable. Right. And now listen, people might sustain it for years. They, they might sustain it for decades, but because that's not our, our natural place. And because again, our soul is always trying to move us to coherence at some point that incoherence becomes unsustainable. And I think that part of the way people sustain it for so long, not because they want to, but because they don't know other options is there is that kind of numbing out and distracting themselves kind of a thing. And so it can feel like, well, I'm just going to shut down 
all of the signals and cues around and around coherence. So I can keep rolling because I literally don't know what else to do. And so I think that thawing thing you're talking about, a lot of people experience some version of that because as you start to angle yourself back in that direction, all of those things that got shut down start turning back on. It's like you just walk through the house and turn out all the lights and suddenly the light in the far corner is on and now the light next to you is on and the light in the dining room is on. And it all just starts to sort of come online again and it, sometimes that happens the second you begin orienting or reint, reorienting toward coherence. It's amazing. So this is what I want everyone to experience. And I think it's bananas, like knowing what I do now because of, of working with you. I think it's bananas that nobody ever teaches this to us. It's insane. Like, what? And we wonder why life is so hard. We wonder why business is so hard. We wonder why we run up against the same walls over and over again. So I want everyone to experience this. Ah, that's what coherence is. Oh, this is all the ways I'm incoherent. So you're going to be teaching us about this and you're going to be making your teaching about this accessible. And before I ask you about that, I have to ask, how did you learn about all this? Like, did you just wake up in the middle of the night with a vision of this is what a coherence is (laughs) from the gods? In fact, I did not. I did not. So the way I started learning about this is 25 plus years ago, I became a student of a very specific spiritual practice that is over here. It's called the Ifa Arisha tradition. Traditionally, it's called the Asheshe tradition. It is uh, the cultural and the spiritual legacy of the Yoruba people of Southwestern Nigeria and that surrounding area. And within the Asheshe or Ifa Arisha tradition, there's there's a concept called Ori, O-R-I is the word. And that's a Yoruba word that literally it means head. At a deeper level, though, it has to do with uh, this bigger expanded part of you that uh, is both connected to the soul and kind of bigger than that and also has a lot to do with, with our way through the world and, and destiny in a way that, that uh, destiny means something kind of way different in that context than what people usually think. But Really, everything that I know about coherence, I learned through my quarter of a century study and practice of uh, of the tradition, but very specifically uh, of Ori, because everybody has Ori, right? You have an Ori, I have an Ori, every, every stone, plant, animal, everything, everywhere on the planet has their Ori. And within your Ori is everything that is coherent for you. So there are all, there are all of the sort of coordinates or qualities of your coherence and of my coherence and my worry and through the practices. And there's, there's a whole, there's a whole, there's a whole, there's an entire body of, of practices around this that have to do with ways of connecting with that and ways of, and this is my language, not the Yoruba language, but ways of, of cohering with your worry. And what I've understood is that there's nothing in your life that your Ori is not connected to from the tiniest thing to the, the biggest thing that could ever happen. And our degree of coherence with our ori has everything to do with our ability to move through the world in alignment with our destiny right now again destiny in the yoruba concept this is not about fate or predestination i want to be super clear because destiny is a weird word for people within the yoruba concept of destiny there are some fixed elements but mostly they're very fluid elements the majority of the elements of destiny are fluid and so what that means is that In the process of cohering with your Ori or not cohering with your Ori, all of those flexible elements either move in a way that supports you and moves you toward your medicine, your presence, your goodness, your your reason for being here, or it moves you away from that, right? And 
there, there's an entire idea around Ori that every goodness that we can experience has to come through our Ori. And what that means, it's said another way, is that the more coherent we are with our Ori, the more we can experience those goodnesses in our lives, right? Mm-hmm. And so through all of these years of practice and study of Ori, that really has, is what's taught me about really everything I know about coherence. It all goes back to that piece. For sure. So is is it fair to say that a study of your own coherence is a study of your ori? Like, are they almost synonymous in some ways? For me, they are completely synonymous, right? Because there's there's an idea, there's a proverb, a Yoruba proverb that says, what my ori has for me is for me. What your ori has for you is for you, right? Mm-hmm. And so at the root of that, there's a recognition that everybody has a particular road through life that is entirely right and coherent for them. And so finding that road, cohering with that road, cohering with all of the the spiritual medicines that you have inside of you, in your soul, in your ori, that's the way you move in the direction of that goodness and and of that road. If I try to move down your road, how do I do that? Because I'm not you and I don't have your medicine. I can't walk your road. You can't walk my road, right? And that it just at the most basic level with the business stuff, that's why for me, I'm always... The work is not, you know, here's the blueprint for how to do things. It's what's coherent for you based on these very specific metrics and medicines and, and all of these other pieces I talk about with the soul medicine, the communal anchor and the identity lens. All of that stuff is just different facets of, of these medicines that are connected to your ORI, right? And when you when you have access to these things, you always know, or you always at least have have sort of signposts or markers that point you in the direction of what's coherent. Right. And again, this is with money, relationships, work, everything. It doesn't matter because Ori is literally connected to every single thing in the world, in and your way, world. And and the way you talk about it, the Ori isn't isn't like a metaphor. It's not like a nice construct. It's yeah. very much a living thing that is real and exists and has a relationship with you, right? Tell us about that. Yeah. So here's here's the, the, the tricky part about Ori. Ori is a spirit, but Ori is not. So you are your Ori. I am my Ori. So it is not a separate external othered something. And this is where the language gets difficult because we, we talk about it as if it's something mm. that is separate from you. The way I talk about it is that it's distinct, but not separate. So you are your Ori, right? And so probably better said, you are a part of your Ori. And so your Ori is really the biggest, deepest part of you. There's a part of your Ori that is literally anchored in your physical body. So there is a there is an embodied somatic aspect to your Ori that is as here as your flesh and blood and bone. There's a part of your Ori that lives in however you look at that, the, the spirit realm, the invisible world. Those are not even separate things. They are connected, right? So the way I look at this is if you imagine starting in your body and extending all the way out into the invisible realms, all of that's Ori. And so you are a part of that something, right? Mm. It's important to understand that because if we look at Ori as something outside of us or separate from us that we've inherently, first of all, we've misunderstood Ori, but we have separated ourselves from the thing that is more us than any other us that we have, right? Language is so limiting. Is it fair to say it's- it's, Totally agree. Is it fair to say it's like like the the most quintessential essence of who we are? Is it- 100% yes. Okay. Yes. So it's not like an external entity guiding us. It's like our own most quintessential essence 
guiding us and then other parts of us can be on, on board or not, right? Yes. Got it. Okay. I'm still a student of this. I'm trying to wrap, wrap my head around this. I think it's it might be difficult because there aren't exact analogs in sort of our Western frameworks. Yeah. 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 So I think this might be a good time for you to tell us about how we can access this work to take it deeper for ourselves to learn about coherence. Yeah. So, you know, the, the first thing that I would say about the, the Ori stuff specifically is that, you know, my first elder, the late Oba Adebolu Fatumishe of Ileife, one of the first things that he told me when he taught me about Ori is tell as many people as you can about this. He said, because everybody has Ori. It wasn't, it wasn't tell as many people practicing the Asheshe tradition as you can. He said, tell as many people everywhere as you can about this because everybody has Ori. And I've taken that very seriously, right? And, you know, there are obviously there's, you know, parts of uh, Ifa Arisha practice that are not relevant to people that are not practicing. So there's not really a reason to talk about that. Ori is not that because again, everybody has Ori. And so, you know, that, that I think is just sort of as a starting point, right? Because when you hear what it is and where it comes from, I think it can understandably be easy to think, oh, right, that's a thing for people who practice the Sheshe. Well, right. It's a, it's a thing for everybody. Right, it's a thing for everybody, and that's not my opinion. That comes from my my Yoruba elder, who was who was a, a very well revered eighth generation elder in his in his lineage, right? And so, you know, that's an important thing to understand. I think that so, you know, there are lots of different ways to access Ori. You know, one of the very simplest things. So again, I said that that Ori literally means head in Yoruba. And one of the simplest ways is when you get up in the morning, you can just put your, you can kind of hold your head in your hands and just greet your ori. And this doesn't have to be some complex formal thing. You know, a lot of times I'll just put my hands on my head and say, good morning. You know, I'd love for the day to be this or to be that, or just thank you for the goodness of the day, or, you know, allow me to, to more fully cohere with my destiny or, you know, with whatever it is, you know, it can take two seconds. It doesn't have to be a complicated thing. You know, and then at the end of the day, you can do the same thing and say, you know, thank you for the goodness of the day. You know, allow me to be even more coherent tomorrow. Allow me to have an even greater understanding of coherence tomorrow. You know, and then from there, there's there's a lot of other more more com not necessarily complex, but more involved practices with worry, which you're uh, going to teach us. Yes, I am. Yeah. <laughs> Where? <laughs> Right. Yeah. So starting in January, I'm, I'm doing uh, a 20 month training called cohering with the spirit of destiny. Hold on, hold on. Uh, 20 as in two zero. Two zero. Right. Okay. Two zero. And the reason for that is there's two reasons. One, mostly because this is material that is big and deep and there's a lot to it. And I think in order to cover it well, we need space, right? Listen, I think life for everybody is such at the moment that we just need spaciousness, right? So, you know, we're not going to try to cram a ton of stuff in, into three months, right? And where everybody's just kind of feeling overwhelmed because there's too much. We have space to move through things. And we're going to go all the way from the very beginning. My, my working assumption is that everybody listening is going to be new to Ori. So we're going to cover everything from the ground up. And we're going to move into, you know, the, some of these practices I'm talking about ways of, of connecting very directly with Ori and more significantly ways of cohering with your Ori, very concrete, practical, easy ways, including ways of working with art and music and sound and, and, you know, all of these other pieces that, you know, are available to everybody because, you know, that's kind of it, right. And there's pieces about sort of understanding the language of Ori. And I mean that more in the sort of uh, symbolic language of Ori and, you know, there's, yeah, there's a lot to it. And, you know, it, to me, it's a thing that 
it will very literally change your life in a million ways. And so I think for that reason, you know, we need, we need some space to do that. I am going to be there. And I am so, what I'm most excited about is becoming even more of myself. Mm-hmm. Right? Cause mm-hmm. I think I pride myself on, I am so myself, I'm filled with myself and uh, I love that about me. And I know that I've only scratched the surface mm-hmm. and I know that there's so much deeper I can go into to being really me. And if you listen to this, podcast, everybody, you know, that I think that's not just a nice to have. It's not tangential. It is the thing if you want to market effectively, coherently, which is to say with true of the kind of momentum that you deserve to have. So that's what I'm personally looking forward to getting to meet even more of me. And this is the first, like I said before, this is the first offering that Fabeku has is really making accessible to like a really wide range of people. And hey, I better see you in there. It's going to be amazing. And before we, you know, wrap up, we have to address the elephant in the room, which is given everything that you said, if you're just listening to the podcast, you might not know, but Fabeku is a white dude. And I know that you have a lot to say about how to approach indigenous practices and beliefs if you're not from that tradition, if you're not from that lineage. And I know that you're very conscientious about the way you show up to it, that you, the way you handle and talk about the work. And that's part of what you teach others. So could you teach us a little bit about that? Yeah, that's been a thing for me since day one in, in approaching the Ashesha tradition. The first time I went to my elder's house when he was still in Atlanta, I sat across the table from him and I said, do I even have the right to be here? Do I, do I, Back up. Are you? <laughs> I've always been so curious. I don't know if this is something you share. How did you even meet these people? <laughs> like, how did they? How did they find you? How did you find them? How did this happen? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Are you from Ohio originally? I I am. Yes. Okay. I am. <laughs> yeah. So this was 25 years ago. It, it's a little easier now to find people. Not so much then. Initially, I met some people who who I thought were reliable teachers who in fact were not. It was kind of a mess of a situation, taught me a whole lot. So it was useful in that way. But uh, I had a friend who I'd actually met through those people that said, hey, a friend of mine has been initiated by this elder from uh, Yoruba land, from Nigeria, and he's in Atlanta. Do you want me to connect you? And I said, I would love to connect with him. And I called him and we talked and we talked a couple more times. And he said, hey, you know, come come down, come to Atlanta. And at that point, uh, we were living in uh, North Carolina. And so I came down and, you know, we established a relationship and I worked with him for a lot of years. He, he initiated me a number of times at different levels into the tradition starting in 1999. And then again in 2001 and yeah, on my very first visit, I said, do I even have a right to be here? And I, and is I, please tell me, no, if not, it, it matters to me. You know, I didn't, I didn't walk in with a sense of entitlement. I didn't walk in with, oh yeah, no, of course I can do whatever I want. If I want to do this, I can do this. I said, I need, I need to know if I have a right to be here. And he said, absolutely. And even still, after having spent a lot of time training with indigenous elders, after being very deeply initiated, after being given uh, formal permission from my elder to teach and to train and initiate people 25 years on, I am still fully aware that I am an outsider to the tradition and the culture. And I will never pretend otherwise, because to me, the one, that's just not true. And it's also very disrespectful to the people that are uh, born into that culture and tradition. And so I feel like part of my work over that time, starting with myself and also had then how to share this with people 
is getting clear on the places that we get sideways when we approach any traditional or culture that we are not we are not born into, right? And I think that one of the things that we have to do is we have to defer to the people who are the caretakers of those cultures and those traditions to tell us what isn't isn't appropriate. And we have to respect that, whether we like it or not, whether it's comfortable, whether it's convenient, whether we wish it were different, it doesn't matter. We have to respect that because it's literally their culture. It's their tradition. It's not ours. So we don't know. We don't know what those lane markers are. And so we, I think we have to, to actively ask that and we have to defer to that. And that's that's appropriate. It's respectful. It's necessary. You know, the other part of it is I think that we have to be very willing to set our, our assumptions aside when we wade into something, right? So for example, one of the things I see a lot, so Ori is unlike anything else. I've, you know, I've practiced a number of different practices and spiritual practices over the years. I've never seen anything else like Ori. The problem is sometimes when I talk, and I understand why people do this, but when I talk about it, people say, oh, you know, Ori is like a guardian angel or your higher self. No, Ori is Ori. A guardian angel is a guardian angel. You know, so for example, any father, there are spirits called Orisha and there's a spirit called Oshun. A lot of times people will say, so Oshun is a spirit that's connected to money and love and beauty and, and a lot of things. But a lot of times people will say, oh, so so Oshun is like the Yoruba Venus. No, Oshun is, uh, Oshun like is Oshun. whitewashing. Right, exactly. Right. Yeah. Uh, Oshun is Oshun, Venus is Venus. And what happens is I think that I understand why people, and I don't, I don't think it's generally bad intention. I think people do this because they're trying to find similarities so that they can understand. Make sense of it. Yeah. But the problem is similar is not same. Those are different things, right? And so when we say Ori is like a guard or Ori is a guardian angel, suddenly we have put a worldview onto it that is not inherent to it and is not not coherent with it. And so suddenly then we are seeing Ori through a lens that reshapes and remixes and distorts what Ori is, right? And so we have to be willing to set aside those expectations and and those those assumptions and we have to be willing to understand that that you know it's going to take a second to understand again that's partly why this thing is 20 months long because i want to consistently say it's this not that right because to me the lens needs to be it, fundamental to coherence the lens has to be clear and if we're saying ori is this ori is that instead of ori is ori then we actually don't know what ori is right and so I think anytime we approach a culture or tradition that is not our own, we have to look at what lenses am I using, right? Am I trying to see this through a lens that's familiar, which again, there's nothing wrong with that, but we have to be able to recognize that and set that aside, you know? And I think the other part of it is too, I think we have to, I think it's important to look at the idea that, you know, these are traditions that in a lot of situations people have literally given up their lives to maintain. And so we're not, people that are outside of it, we're not entitled to anything in any of these traditions. And when we have access to it, I think we have to learn to carry it well. And sometimes, again, that means asking the elders of those traditions, how do I carry this in a respectful way, right? Not how do I want to carry it, not how do I feel entitled to carry it, Mm -hmm. but how do I carry it well? And if there's an answer to that that's difficult, then I think our work becomes how do I how do I dismantle and take apart the pieces within myself that make carrying it well difficult? That's the work. That's the work. Oh, yeah. so good. Even those just those words just land like medicine. And just to sort of restate, you know, maybe it's obvious, I don't know. We are, you have permission to invite us into the study of Ori. Absolutely. And it is a place where 
we we belong. We want to ask, you know, do we belong? Do we have a right to learn about this? Yeah. So, I mean, I've been I've been teaching and talking about Ori for a couple decades now. You know, I've been teaching it very actively in in private spaces for the last four or five years with people. And I think, and that's really why this 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 new course is happening because I realize that it's just time to to go more into it and to go deeper into it and to to do a little more than scratch the surface. But this training is ultimately happening because of that encouragement that my elder gave me a couple of decades ago to share this with as many people as possible. And that's in part why I'm making this visible. Because like you said in the beginning, I don't, and I've been teaching for 30 years. I don't, I don't share stuff widely. It's like you said, you have to know somebody, you know, somebody. And so I'm doing this because this work is that essential. And because again, my elder said, this is a thing to tell everybody about. So for sure, I, I care too much about the, the tradition and the elders that have taught me you know, to, to, to share stuff that's not accessible to everybody. And that's not appropriate for everybody. Ori is absolutely appropriate to every single person all around the planet. You know, if, if you're willing to, to engage with it in a respectful way, it's absolutely appropriate for everybody. So just to bring it down to really simple words, you are welcome to the, to learn about this. Welcome to this course. If you are an artist, if you are an entrepreneur, if you are a practitioner of some sort, if you are just a human being, like, right, everybody? Absolutely. And and the other point that I want to make is that this is absolutely connected to and from the spiritual tradition of the Yoruba people, but this is not a course on religion. You can be you can be an Asheshe practitioner, you can be an agnostic, you can be a Buddhist. Well, it doesn't matter, right? Because so one of the things that the Yoruba people say is that your ori is your religion. Right. Mm-hmm. So whatever, whatever is in your ori, whatever your path is, that's still ori. Right. So I've taught this to people that are that are of of all different faiths and all and no faiths, because you know, that's what it is. So I just I also want to be clear that this is not me teaching you how to practice the the Asheshe tradition. This is one very specific thing within that tradition that is available to anybody from any any faith and any any walk, period. Yeah, that's that important. Was- Really important to say. Thank you. Okay. So wait, what is this called? I just know it as the, the Ori thing that Fabek was doing. <laughs> right. right. So it's called uh, Cohering with the Spirit of Destiny, and it starts in early January. Perfect. How do we go find out about this? How do, how do people go to attempt to stalk you more? <laughs> right. So uh, you, you can go to my happen. Yeah. So you can go to my site. Uh, fabeku.com, which is F-A-B-E-K-U.com and then uh, slash cohering, C-O-H-E-R-I-N-G. Everything you need to know uh, about the training is there. We'll leave uh, the on, links in the show notes. Yeah. I'm on Facebook. Theoretically, I'm, I'm on Instagram, but not not so much on Instagram. But uh, yeah, I'm fairly accessible at this point. So Amazing. Fairly accessible for the first time in a long while. Um, like <laughs> I said, I'm going to be there. Go. It's very accessibly priced. It's a long, generous journey and container. And like I said, I cannot wait to get to know myself even more and to become even more of myself. It, it was so interesting to, see, to hear you say that your ori is, is your religion. I think what that gets to for me is that there is something sacred about taking your own coherence seriously and about yeah. pursuing that path. It's The sacred isn't like when you go to pray to God or gods, which I certainly do. And you are sacred too. The your essence and where it points to is sacred. And how you relate to that is also a sacred process. So awesome. Like I said, leave leave the links in the show notes. Go stalk him some more. Get 
curious about all of the weirdness. About, and I would say weirdness in the most reverent way. Get curious about all of this magical stuff. And I will see you in Fabeku land. And I'll also talk to you next week. Thank you so much for being here, Fabeku. Thank you. And we'll talk later. Bye. Hey, if you want a shot of fresh inspiration and actionable tips to improve your marketing every single week in your inbox, you better get on my email list. Sign up to receive my free ebook called 20 Unsolicited Copy Tips. It's been known to get people to come out of the woodwork and ask to work with you. So get on that link in the show notes and I'll see you in your inbox next time. 